everybody, welcome to AOE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles. And today we're gonna to give you a taste of what our virtual workshops are like by going over one of the group exercises which focuses on project planning and design, that particular exam. Uh, virtual workshops are new to us uh, and maybe to you. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about them. First, for every two hours, every Sunday, I should say for two hours every Sunday, we've organized these group sessions uh, and they're led by licensed architects who recently passed the ARE. And then during the sessions, the instructor administers a couple of lessons that target the most difficult topics on the test. And then you basically get to work on the lessons in a small group setting and get feedback from the group. And then at the end, we always leave time for Q&A so you can be sure to get your questions answered. So that's what virtual workshops are. If you don't have virtual workshops in your current Black Spectacles membership, you can upgrade to our new expert subscription, which gives you access to those every Sunday. Uh, so that's uh, so that's what they are. And again, we're going to kind of give you a sample of that today uh, here on ARE Live. A quick mention, though, about Prometric. Uh, the testing centers are currently open, but with reduced uh, capacity. Uh, so we, you know, we want to encourage everybody. What that means is that there's, of course, not a lot, not as, not the same number of slots as there used to be. So just want to encourage everybody to register for your exam as soon as possible, so you can get the seat that you want. Um, so I always like to kind of call that out. For those of you that are new to uh, joining us here at ARE Live, Black Spectacles is the first ever NCARB approved test prep provider for all six of the ARE 5.0 divisions. Uh, we offer comprehensive test prep for the ARE with video lectures, practice exams, flashcards, and of course, as I mentioned, the virtual workshops. And it's all available online and with memberships available for individual architects or for firms or AI chapters or schools. Um, and on that topic, our firm uh, membership uh, does include these virtual workshops that we're, you know, going to sort of uh, pilot today for you. So if uh, if you want to attend these group exercises, and as I like to say, have your boss pay for it, uh, fill out the form at blackspectacles.com slash pricing slash group slash firm. Yikes, that's a mouthful. Just go to the firm uh, part on our page. There's a form there, and um, and then you can get more information there. Uh, one quick note, though, um, we actually have started offering Lunch and Learns online, um, uh, where we go over tips to pass the ARE. I'll tell you a little bit about uh, more about the firm membership. Um, and then if you're, if you're actually licensed or if you have someone who joins you who's licensed, they actually can get an, a, uh, an AIA-approved learning unit. Um, so uh, same, same form. If you go to that form on the firm page um, and just put Lunch and Learn in there, uh, we can help you get that scheduled. Our next session for ARE Live is on September 17th, uh, and it's going to be really good. We're going to hear from a panel of architects who passed the ARE during some stressful times in their lives, because, uh, you know, this is a sort of a stressful time. Uh, so we thought that it might be helpful to hear from folks who've, you know, um, tackled this uh, under uh, a lot of pressure, like many of you are dealing with right now. Uh, uh, and so these folks are going to give you some good insight into how to stay focused, how to start carve out time to study, how to overcome exam day jitters, and how they ultimately got it done. Um, so uh, be sure to register for that. If you go to our ARE Live page on our website, uh, you can find the registration details for that. Today we'll be engaging exclusively on our online ARE community. So uh, if you have questions, the idea is you should go to our community. So we're sharing the link, but also for those of you who are uh, who might not see that link, if you go to community.blackspectacles.com, uh, you'll see our that's our community page. And then uh, there's a bunch of boxes on the top there. One of them is ARE Live. It's maybe the seventh box. If you hit ARE Live, 
that first uh, first topic there uh, says project planning and design virtual workshop exercise. If you go right there, uh, myself, I'm over here. Uh, a couple of my colleagues are uh, over here ready to answer questions. And everyone who posts in this thread, even if you just post and say hi, uh, you'll be eligible for to win a free Black Spectacles t-shirt at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned uh, to see if you win. Um, and then, of course, uh, at the end of today's podcast, we'll have a special discount uh, on Black Spectacles individual memberships to share. Um, so that'll be at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. Now, our guest today is Liz Schneider. Uh, she has been working with Black Spectacles since 2017 when she became a licensed architect. She has worked in the group coaching program and now leads our PPD workshops. She's an associate at Getch Partners here in Chicago, where she works on high-rise office, hotel, and mixed-use projects. And in addition to uh, her project work, uh, she's the founder of Getch Partners Women's Group, which is a group that aims to connect the community of women in her office to the larger community of women in the AEC industry. So we are certainly excited to have you uh, join us here, Liz, on the podcast for the first time. And so with that, I will hand it over to you. Awesome, thank you so much, Mark. I'm happy yeah. to be here. I hope uh, everybody enjoys uh, the exercise that we go through today. So I'll go ahead and get started. Um, so this exercise we, we pulled from our Establishing Building and Site Layouts workshop that we do for PPD. Um, one of the things that I think makes this difficult topic so difficult is the amount of information that you really have to go through when you're considering a building or a site layout. And so hopefully some of what I'm going to go over today will help you just develop strategies about how to um, sift through that information and better understand it to be able to answer questions about that information. So I'm going to go through a few slides here with quite a bit of information. Um, what I always like to tell everybody during the workshops is to kind of take notes as I go through. Um, I think that's a good strategy for when you're doing the workshops, but also when you're testing and you're given a bunch of information that you're supposed to decipher and then be able to answer questions on. So it helps to be able to just write down some keywords so that you're not having to shuffle through all that information a bunch. So I'm gonna go through a couple slides with a bunch of information and then we'll get uh, started on the questions. So like I mentioned, uh, we're looking at establishing building and site layouts. So during the exercise, you'll develop an adjacency matrix. Um, we won't be going through the second part of this, which would be to determine the proper building layout, site layout, and orientation um, when given programmatic information, as well as various environmental constraints, such as topography, vegetation, stormwater, runoff, et cetera. That's something that if you attend the full workshop, we would, we would cover. Um, but the full exercise ties to two PPD objectives from the ARA handbook. Objective 1.1, which is determine location of building and site improvements based on site analysis. So based on views, wind, topography, adjacencies, program planning concepts, and other factors, you'll need to be able to locate a new built project on its site. This can include the orientation of one building, the arrangement of multiple buildings, or the configuration of site improvements. Objective 4.4, integrate environmental and contextual conditions in the project design. You'll need to incorporate various design strategies, including those assessed in section one into the project. This may include elements like view corridors, shading elements, building materials, and landscape design. 
So the exercise scenario that we're going to go through today, uh, Rocky Mountain Architects are working with a university in Boulder, Colorado to build a new dorm. The team just completed a series of meetings to determine the programmatic needs and planning slash zoning constraints for the site. The project summary, the four-story dorm will house a total of 80 students in double occupant units. The fitness center and cafeteria each require a minimum clear height of 18 feet. All other spaces require a minimum ceiling height of nine feet. Site access may not exceed 10% slope. Zoning requirement requires a minimum 30 foot setback from the street at the front yard and both side yards, which only applies to building structures. The site needs one entrance and exit that will also support service vehicles. Drive lanes must be a minimum of 20 feet wide the service vehicles require a minimum inside turn radius of 25 feet and a minimum outside radius for turns of 50 feet. All entrances and exits must be a minimum of 50 feet from all street intersections. There is a 30-foot easement placed on the outer banks of the stream on the west side of the site. The owner has outlined some sustainability objectives to consider, including prioritizing daylighting and cross-ventilation when possible, and would prefer all existing trees to remain. The facility will include the following spaces listed on the next slide. So you have 40 total uh, bedrooms across 10 floors. They need to be adjacent to bathrooms and laundry per floor, separated from the common area, and need to have views to the outside. You have one large restroom and shower facility per floor, which needs to be adjacent to the bedrooms and needs to have close proximity to vertical circulation. You have one public unisex restroom, which needs to be adjacent to the common area, needs close proximity to the cafeteria and fitness center. You have one common area, which needs to be adjacent to the office and public restrooms, needs close proximity to garden, uh, separated from the bedrooms, needs a view of the exterior. You have one laundry facility per floor, which needs to be adjacent to the bedrooms. You have one fitness area, which needs to be adjacent to the cafeteria and the garden. Um, and it also needs a view of the exterior. You have one cafeteria, which needs close proximity to the common area. And it needs a view of the exterior. You have one office, which needs to be adjacent to the common area and cafeteria. You have two vertical circulations, uh, which need to be adjacent to the bedrooms and common area. And you have one garden, which needs to be adjacent to the fitness area and close proximity to the common area. So like you can see, there's a lot of information that I just went over. And now we're going to go through a bunch of questions related to that information. And hopefully, as we go through, I can help you sift through that information and, and better understand what key things you're looking for in order to answer these questions. So the first task would be to fill out a, the adjacency matrix based on the facilities requirements. I'm going to fill this out as we go through the questions. Um, but before I do that, I do want to just note a few things about the matrix itself. Um, so first, um, if you're looking here, you have this column here, which denotes that whether or not a space needs an exterior view. So that's something that we did go over in the project summary and 
we'll have to, to make sure that we're noting carefully in our matrix. The other thing to know about the matrix is um, if you're unfamiliar with how they work, you have one space here. So if you're looking at the bedrooms and then the gardens and trying to determine whether or not what their um, uh, relationship to each other are, you're, you're kind of looking from this row and this row so that you get to this square at the end here. And then you can determine whether they have a primary adjacency, a, a secondary adjacency, or they need to be separated, or they may have no required relationship at all, and in which case you would leave it blank instead of noting either an X, an S, or a P. So that's a little bit about how that is kind of set up and what you're looking for. Um, another couple things to note too on here actually is we we have the clear heights listed, which is something we went over in the project summary as well. And then we also have a column for additional considerations here. And that's where you can put um, things like what we have here, which is the daylighting and passive ventilation. Um, but you could also make other notes to yourself that as you're you that you might want to remember as you're trying to lay out your building in the future. So basically, this will take all of um, all of the information that was listed in that project summary and kind of condense it down into one drawing. So you're not trying to look all over the place for a bunch of information. So if we get started with the first question, we have which of the following is not a primary adjacency? And so the key things to kind of pay attention to in this question are obviously not and then primary adjacency. So, you know, often when you're reading these questions quickly on exams, you might miss a word like not, and that really does change obviously how you answer the question. So that's, a, that's an important one to pay attention to. And then the second primary adjacency is really trying to understand what that means. And so if we actually, um, go back really quick to our project summary. If you notice, there are certain spaces on here um, that are called out as needing to be adjacent. And then there are certain spaces that are called out as needing close proximity. And so you can kind of start to understand the relationship when you're looking for what would be a primary adjacency versus a secondary adjacency, right? So that things that are need to be adjacent to each other, like the bathrooms and the bedrooms, would be your primary adjacency. Whereas things like the large restrooms and the vertical circulation only need to have close proximity. So that's going to end up being your secondary adjacency as you fill out your chart. Go back then to here. So um, this is where, when I when I'm answering a question like this, I like to kind of go systematically through. So I'm making sure that I'm understanding all of the information and I'm not missing something. So we're looking for which is not a primary adjacency. And so if we go and look at the first one, a common area and cafeteria. And we remember back to our project summary uh, and we go to that, we, the common area was listed as needing to be adjacent to the office and public restrooms and close proximity to the garden. 
uh, and it also needed to be separated from the bedrooms and need an exterior view. But it doesn't actually, under the common area, there's no requirement for whether or not it needs to be close to the cafeteria or not. However, if we go and then look back at, let me just flip back through, and we go back and look at cafeteria, you can see here that it needs to have close proximity to the common area, right? So when we're answering question here, we're asking ourselves whether or not that needs to be a primary adjacency. And so close proximity, we determined was going to be a secondary adjacency. So right away, that kind of um, signifies that perhaps that's your answer there. If we want to then go through as well, though, and double check the other spaces just to make sure that we're on the right track, and we look at the bedrooms and the laundry room. So here you can see that the bedrooms do need to be adjacent to the bathrooms and the laundry room. So right there, because they need to be adjacent, you know that they have a primary um, adjacency. Um, and then moving back to the next, we have fitness area and garden. And if we go back to here, we can see that the fitness area is being called out as needing to be adjacent to the cafeteria and garden. So again, that uh, primary adjacency is there. And then the last one is the office in the common area. And so again, if we refer back to our project summary here, we can see that it needs to be adjacent, the office needs to be adjacent to the common area and the cafeteria. So not only have we identified then that the common area and cafeteria don't need a primary adjacency, but we've identified that the other three do. So we can be pretty confident in our answer being A. Hey, Liz, if I can hop in and ask a question, maybe from the community. Absolutely. Um, uh, there's a comment here from Bryce Bounds uh, asking, can we clearly define adjacent? Uh, it goes on to say the word problem read literally would mean the laundry needs to be next to each bathroom. And so just wanting some clarification there on adjacent, maybe what, ex what exactly that means. Sure, yeah. So when you're looking at something like this for primary adjacencies, I would say that they would either be, the spaces themselves would be touching or they would be next to, they would be next to each other along the same corridor. Um, you, you really want to be able to go from one space and and to the next. And so for something like bathrooms and laundry rooms, probably you're, you're looking for um, that primary adjacency one because of the plumbing fixtures, right? You wanna make sure all of your pipes are kind of centrally located if you can, um, makes things a little bit easier, but also because in, for, for instance, in a dorm room, you have these group large restrooms and these laundry facilities as well, these are spaces that all of the students living in that dorm are likely going to be using. So it's nice if they're located next to each other. So in the primary adjacency, I would say you can think about it as they have a, they share a common wall. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily the full length of that wall, but some portion of a common wall is shared between those two, um, those two uses. 
whereas secondary adjacency, maybe you have to go through one other space to get to that to the space that needs to be in close proximity to it, or maybe it's across the hallway, or or something like that, where they're they're nearby. You wouldn't have to travel all the way across the building to get from one to the other, but they they aren't going to be one right after the other in your building layout. Awesome, thank you, Liz. Yeah, no problem. So as we would continue to fill this out, um, you would you could basically, as we were doing with this question, you would systematically go through that project summary. And as you noted, um, the adjacencies of different things, like for instance, we said that the common area in the cafeteria needs a secondary adjacency. So if we are looking at the common area here and the cafeteria here, so we're following that up to here and we're saying that's a, that's supposed to be an S there. Uh, that's a secondary adjacency, right? Between our common area and our cafeteria. Um, we said that the other three of these needed to have primary adjacencies. So we can then begin to fill that out where the bedrooms and the laundry room. So the bedroom here and the laundry here. So you find the square here and that's a primary adjacency. And then you also have your fitness area, which is here and your cafeteria here. And you can mark, oh, sorry, fitness area and garden is what we're looking at actually. Um, let me, hmm, let me erase that quick. So fitness area, and garden, so fitness and garden here would also be a primary. And then you have your office and your common area. So your office here, your common area here. So you have that. That one. Um, and then our common area and cafeteria would be. So you can see as I'm doing this, it is difficult if you're not paying really close attention to how these um, different columns kind of come come together. It's easy to get onto the wrong um, wrong squares. So you kind of want to start to make sure you're you're really following those up, whether it's drawing a line. Um, using your finger to kind of make sure you're you're hitting those correct squares so you're you're making sure you have the correct information marked down okay so moving on to the next question and you can see here that we've marked now all of the primary adjacencies and like I said, you just you would go through systematically through your project summary and you can start marking those down. So then the next question we have here is which are required to have exterior views? Select the four that apply. So again, if we refer back to our project summary, um, we can see here there it's pretty clearly called out which spaces need to have a view to the exterior. So you have your bedrooms. You have your common area, <clears throat> you have the fitness area, the cafeteria, and I think 
that's it there. I'm not seeing any others. So you have those four spaces that definitely need to have a view to the exterior. So when we go back, To our question and it's asking us which of these spaces need to have a view to the exterior we know that it was the bedrooms the common area the fitness area and the cafeteria and if we wanted to double check we can go back and make sure that the other two didn't actually require a view to the exterior, um, but we know for sure that these do, and it's asking you to select four. So once you know that, then you can also add that into your matrix over here where we would say, yes, this one requires a view to the exterior. Um, so does the common area, the cafeteria, and the fitness area. And so those would be the four that you would mark yes, Y for yes. And then you could then also go in and fill in um, no's for the other spaces because those aren't requiring a view to the exterior. The garden obviously will be an exterior space, um, but in our, in our program, our project summary, we've not been specifically told that it requires an exterior view being outdoors it will have one obviously so you could either leave that i would probably just say an a for that right not applicable it's it's not a space that you're going to need to think about putting windows in so So then when we move to the next set, uh, next question, you can see that those have been filled out and here we've left a dash because that garden area is really not, for when you're looking at exterior view, you're really looking to understand whether or not those spaces need windows. And so in this case, that's not something that you would, you would need to, to note. Um, so then for this third question, we have which of the following is a secondary adjacency? And so we kind of already talked a little bit about this, right, in our first question, um, where we were looking at what it meant between, between having a primary or a secondary adjacency. So just like we did in that first question, we would go back to that uh, project summary again and look at each of these spaces um, individually. So if we're looking at our more here. So if we're looking at this again, and our first first space was listed as the fitness area and group restroom and showers. So we can go over to the we can start first here um, with the group showers and restrooms, the large restroom shower facility, and see if it says anything about an adjacency with the fitness area. And right here, it's not mentioning that fitness area at all. So just to be sure, we double check over here. 
does if the fitness area needs to have secondary or primary adjacency to those group showers. And again, there's nothing listed. So there's no required relationship between those two spaces. Uh, B is the bedrooms and the common area. So if we go here, um, we can clearly see that actually the bedrooms need to be separated from the common area. So that's a pretty clear um, relationship there. And it, it's not a secondary relationship. It uh, needs to be completely separated, right? So that rules out B. So then we have C, which is vertical circulation and group restrooms and showers. So if we go again back to our large restroom shower facility, we can see here it says that it needs a close proximity to the vertical circulation. And as we discussed in question one, close proximity is how we're kind of thinking about what a secondary uh, adjacency would be. And so this would be a good candidate for the answer because it does require a secondary relationship. And then we have just one more option, which is office and common area. So we want to double check that. And if you look under common area, it says that it needs to be adjacent to the office. And that's what we defined as being a primary adjacency. So we can feel pretty confident then that our answer for question three is going to be C. Um, so it'll be C, vertical circulation, and group restrooms and showers that need that secondary um, adjacency. And so again, you would then mark, you could then mark that over on your, your adjacency matrix. So you have your group restrooms here, and then you have your vertical circulation all the way down here. So if you're going through you would put an S here. And you could do, if you're filling, if as you're filling out the whole matrix, you would go through and you could add in all of those secondary adjacencies. So then moving on to our fourth question, and this one actually doesn't uh, reference information on the adjacency matrix. But it does go back to information that was given in that project summary that we reviewed. So fourth question is, in this scenario, zoning requires a minimum 30-foot setback from the street at the front yard and both side yards, which only applies to building structures. Which code would most likely determine this requirement? And so you've given four different choices to pick from. You have your local zoning codes, your ADA, your IBC, and ANSI. So really when you're answering this question, you kind of need to have a little bit of an understanding of what each of those codes will provide for you. Um, so starting with ANSI, it's really more of a standard um, to make sure that different products uh, have similar performances and characteristics. Um, everything's consistent across the board. You have IBC, which I'm sure you guys are mostly familiar with, your International Building Code, um, which is going to be concerned about controlling um, the area, um, the construction type, things that really relate to life and safety, um, making sure you're building safe buildings. And then you have the ADA, 
um, which it refers to the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, which is your accessibility guidelines to make sure that you're providing an accessible building um, for everyone. And so then you have your local zoning codes. And this is where things like setbacks are going to primarily be located. Um, they're going to be controlled by that local government and they're going to determine where they want you to place your building in order to provide consistent street fronts and other things like that. They might, you know, you might have um, utilities or other things running through your site that need to have setbacks as well. So your local zoning codes are going to, to help you identify that. And so in this case, um, uh, our answer is going to be A for local zoning codes. So question five gets back to you. Hey, Liz, if I may interrupt, um, I do have a question here in the community um, asking, um, and again, missing the, the first part of this, but it says, does that mean rooms directly across the hall from each other would be secondary? Whereas, for example, room 102 and room 120 may be on opposite ends of the same corridor on the same wall and they are primary? I'm not sure if that makes sense. Uh, I think I think it does make sense. So when okay. I when I when I answered the first uh, question that was that you kind of read out, I said that rooms that shared a, a common wall. Um, and so I think the question this question is getting at is that the common wall that those rooms would be sharing would be that corridor wall that goes from one end to the other. Um, but the but the walls bounding those rooms are not being shared by the other room, right? So while that wall is continuous and goes the length of the corridor, the common wall would be shared between the room 120 and the corridor or 102 and the corridor. And so that would still at best be a secondary adjacency, but given if they're at the opposite ends of the corridor, you might even consider that having no adjacency at all, um, depending on how long that corridor is, right? Whereas if Got you it. had 103 and 120, those would have a common wall between them and they would have a primary adjacency. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So back to question five then. So this pulls out another bit of information that was in our um, adjacent or in our project summary. Um, and like I mentioned at the beginning, when we were first looking at our matrix, I noted that there is certain information that, that was um, already provided in the matrix. Um, and one of those being the ceiling heights for the different spaces. And you can see that listed under each of those spaces. Um, that information is also listed in um, the project summary, summary where we call out whether um, we, certain spaces need to have 18-foot um, ceiling heights and whereas others, uh, all others then only need to have that 9-foot ceiling height. So this question here where it's saying which room is required to be a double-heighted space really requires you to think about what that means. And so if most of your spaces are at that nine foot ceiling height, double height 
would be that 18 feet then. So you're really looking for which rooms are requiring an 18 foot ceiling height. Um, and so you can either go back to your project summary and look for that information, but we can also look through our matrix here because that information has already been noted in the matrix. Um, and so we can see here that the cafeteria requires, actually, let me clear all these before so we don't get confusing. Um, our cafeteria, it requires an 18 foot clear height and our fitness area requires an 18 foot clear height. Uh, the, all the other spaces are the ones that are nine feet. And so when you're then answering this question and you're trying to figure out which areas required to be a double-heighted space, you're really looking for either the fitness area or the cafeteria. And so in this case, we have fitness area. And so that's gonna be option A. Okay, and then this brings us to our last question here which is six, which spaces are required to be separated? And we also touched on this a little bit in one of our other questions when we were looking at the adjacencies previously. Um, but if we go back to our um, project summary one last time, we're looking for which spaces need to be separated. If we're reading through this, really as we're going through, the first one that we come across is that bedroom and that they need to be separated from the common area here. And then if we continue to, to read through, um, looking for that keyword of separated, we'll notice it again here that the common area needs to be separated from the bedroom. And that's really the same requirement, right? Just both spaces are listing it. And then if we continue through, we don't see that any of these other spaces need to have any particular separations, right? So we know that it's really the bedrooms and the common area that need to be separated. So if we go back then to question six, we're looking for bedrooms and common area. The other thing that we can do, and so that's our answer then is B. The other thing we can do is look at what we've already filled out on our adjacency matrix, right? So we have most of the prime, we have the, all the primary and secondary adjacencies already laid out. And so we're looking here at office and laundry room. So if you have your office down here, your laundry room here, you, so we know that there either is not um, a required relationship between those spaces or potentially they maybe need to be separated. Checking our summary, we know that they don't need to be separated so that we know that that can remain blank. You have your restrooms, less showers, and uh, public unisex restroom. And so you have that here and here. And again, we see no specific relationship between those spaces. So we would then check our project summary like we did to make sure that they don't need to be separated. And then the last choice is none of the above. So that's where you do need to double check that the um, 
does need to have that relationship. And so if you have your bedrooms and your common area needing to be separated, which would be here. So we can put that X in and then that would complete our adjacency matrix then. So if we move in. So we have our, on this last slide here, we have our filled out adjacency matrix and we can see again that we have all of the primary, secondary, and separation requirements listed over on this portion on the left-hand side of the matrix. Um, we do have uh, our exterior, whether or not they need an exterior view listed, and then you have your additional considerations as well. So you can really take this matrix as you move forward into laying out your building and placing that building on your site to make sure you're understanding all the required relationships between these different spaces. And so you kind of can start to group different pieces of the program together as you're laying out your building and make sure you're hitting all of those requirements. And you really have all of your information consolidated into one diagram where you can go to to it to, to make sure you're hitting all of all of the requirements that you need. You can kind of use it as a checklist as you begin to lay out your building. And if we were doing the full workshop, that would, would be the next step to this is that we would then take this information and we would look at how that influences the layout of a building and then eventually that building on the site. All right. Uh, thank you, Liz. Um, I'm um, over here on this community and I think we've gotten through the questions that we had uh, come through, but there is one interesting sort of series of comments. Uh, just noting that uh, the, like the, you know, when you go in the, um, in the testing center and you sit down for your test, just kind of a different experience now uh, that everyone would be wise to try to understand. Um, there's a bunch of different people commenting. Obviously, every testing center is you know, probably similar, but maybe there's some small nuances between each one. One one note is that you know folks are being asked to wear their masks during the you know the entirety of the exam. So if you're someone who has glasses and isn't comfortable uh, sitting through that, you know maybe if you're going through our practice exam, you might try to do it with your glasses and your mask on. Um, and um, what else? Uh, stuff about uh, you know, they give you, um, you know, uh, you know, paper and they give you a pen, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, you know, there's people with there's space in between you and hand sanitizers and the, you know, um, the, uh, the breaks are a little bit longer. Uh, so uh, without getting into all the details, the thought here is just make sure you really kind of dig in and think through, um, you know, what the, how the experience might be different uh, than you're used to. And, uh, you know, just plan in it, plan ahead, you know, just make sure you, you know, that's one of the great things about our practice exams or you know, honestly anyone's practice exams is if you get to, you know, if you have time to practice, then you can, um, you can try to simulate that experience that you might run into. Uh, Liz, have you heard anything from any of the folks um, who you, who through the virtual workshops when you're, when you're leading those sessions, have there been any kind of, uh, I don't know, comments that people have been sharing about what the experience is like? 
I haven't actually heard from anybody who's currently, who recently set, uh, sat for an exam uh, specifically. You know, in, in my experience, it's or already kind of um, a daunting thing to show up at these testing centers and sit for these Honestly. exams, you yep. know? And so I'm sure this only amplifies that. Uh, so knowing as much as you can what to expect, I think, is is how you want to go about it. And definitely checking out that um, conversation thread on the community would be a good place to go. Um, and Or even if you have questions about what to expect, I think uh, posting something there would be good because we have a lot of people who've been testing um, who will be able to give some insight on that. I think, you know, typically one of the things that the people that I talk to struggle with most is the timing mm -hmm. of things. Yeah. Um, and because they're, they're, it's a lot of questions and you kind of do have to move through them fairly quickly. So yep. I think that having that comfortability and, and having gone through a bunch of practice exams gives you the best leg up in like kind of getting to a place where you feel confident that you can answer the questions in the time that you're given. Um, and then just, you know, overall reducing all of all the other stresses about the testing center will, will allow you to focus and answer those questions efficiently, I guess. So. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great thought. Um, and I'm seeing both on the community and otherwise I'm seeing a, an interesting little trick, I guess, a little tactic here about the glasses, uh, the problem with getting, with sorry, the problem with foggy glasses and a way to prevent it if you have to wear a mask. Someone here is suggesting um, that getting one of those masks with the metal piece that can bend around the top of your nose has the potential to help reduce that problem. Um, so just a thought there. Yeah, that's um, a good yeah, Liz, I appreciate, I really, you know, want to thank you and appreciate uh, everything that you you put into this. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I do want to mention, you know, during one of our standard virtual workshops, this would sort of be the part where we do a Q&A, uh, where any of the folks in the session can could ask Liz, you know, whatever questions they have about the topics covered in the exercise, which is really nice because it sort of turns the group session almost into a one-on-one -on -one tutoring kind of experience. So everyone kind of gets the chance to have their questions answered and as Liz's uh, undivided attention. So it's really helpful, I think, for a lot of folks. We've been getting a lot of really positive reviews to everyone who's been um, uh, engaging in the virtual workshops. So uh, so again, thank you, Liz. Um, as I've mentioned in our next ARE Live podcast on September 17th, we're featuring a panel of architects who passed the ARE during some stressful times. Uh, so they'll share their stories and tips on how to get through studying, scheduling, and mastering the tests when life seems disruptive, which as we all know, certainly uh, is a time like this. So it'll be really useful for folks working toward licensure now, um, or even when other life events kind of show up and try to derail your progress. So I think it just will generally be, uh, be really helpful. Uh, just posted a link to register for that webinar in the chat box in the GoToWebinar control panel, or you can just go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast to sign up. To learn more about all of our ARE exam prep offerings, of course, you can go to blackspectacles.com where you can try out some of the course videos. And today's lucky winner of a Black Spectacles t-shirt is uh, Bryce B. Um, and Bryce, we will uh, reach out to you um, via email to get uh, your size and shipping information. So. Uh, thank you uh, and congratulations. Thanks to everybody who um, 
who posted in our community. I'm excited and pleased to say that we had uh, the most number of comments we've ever had today, uh, which is really exciting and thrilling. So uh, I think it was awesome. There's a lot of really good stuff here. And again, one of the things that we really love about the ARE community here, especially as it relates to ARE Live, is all these comments and the discussion stays here. Um, which is that's kind of the problem with GoToWebinar is people have questions, but when we answer them, like nobody can ever see those 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 answers. So here, everything here is sort of permanently out there. So uh, just a reminder to everyone: if you have any sort of question, I mean, we basically built this ARE community for folks to get their questions answered, um, and also to find inspiration, uh, you know, from folks who've done this. Because trust me, you're not alone. Uh, there's a lot of people who are wrestling through this uh, this thing. So I just want to. Uh, kind of give a shout out to the folks uh, on our team who are working on this community because so far it's working out great. Um, I mentioned that uh, we were going to have a, a discount. So let me get to that here. Um, let's see. Um, let's see here where I lost my spot. <laughs> uh, I guess if you're ready to start setting for the ARE right now and want to access to the weekly virtual workshops that we just previewed, you can choose the expert membership when you check out. And then for a discount, uh, you can uh, use the following code, which is PPD081320PC to get a 15% discount for the entire duration of your Black Spectacles ARE prep membership. And then lastly, tomorrow, we'll email you a follow-up about today's live broadcast. So please let us know what you think and share any suggestions that you may have. Uh, we will read everything that you write and use them to tune our next episodes. So thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm.